welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. So the clocks have not officially changed yet as we are recording this, uh, but they're going to change soon. And even before the clocks change, the sun is setting a great deal earlier than it was setting just you know a few weeks ago. It's not really true. The clocks sun is, haven't changed yet in America. Clocks not changed in America. They've they have, changed in Israel. They have changed in Israel, which makes it very hard for people who have uh, friends or family yes. or colleagues in Israel. Um, <laughs> very confusing. Um, and, and it has not changed at a fast. It's five minutes a week, whatever, give or take. Uh, it's been pretty steady. But it, it, it's just all of a sudden, you know, I'm rushing to get ready for Shabbat in a way that was not the case, uh, you know, uh, just like a month or two ago. And then when the clock changed, it'll be really, really urgent. Uh, and I, I think for many years, I found it to be a, um, a great inconvenience when we've changed the clocks, as you know, like the winter time, fitting in all of the you know, like a busy Friday and rushing for an early mincha, you know, back to the shul has been like a real struggle. Or I've experienced it as a real struggle. And I've come to realize that actually, you know, like every season has its opportunities and its challenges. And, and maybe this year it's worth emphasizing the opportunities. And uh, so some of those opportunities, as I've been reflecting, you know, anticipating the clock change here and just like experiencing the earlier set of the sun, uh, is that there are like mitzvah opportunities that are available for uh, to children that were not available um, are just much harder uh, like a month or two ago. So if you have a child who still has like a bedtime, like you couldn't bring your child to like Havdalah at Shul at, you know, 8.45 p.m. necessarily. But when Havdalah is um, 6 o'clock or 5.30, uh, you really can bring that child to Havdalah at Shul. And over the years, it's been a wonderful thing, in, especially in the winter when Shabbat ends early, that like kids have come to the Shul. We, we give out glow sticks. And, yeah, we, and the more glow sticks we give out, the better. The more glow sticks, <laughs> yeah. The sooner we give them out, the sooner we can buy new ones. And uh, it, it's... I, it lights up the Shul. It's kind of fun. and It's really, really fun. The kids can pretend they're lightsabers. It's really great. Which they do. <laughs> it, and and I, to me, that just exemplifies the way that like you just like think creatively about... Um, how you want to like take advantage of the change in season to expose your children to like mitzvot that were not available to them before, and that's really you know. So I just before we I want to say more about that, but just not just children, also adults. Like if you have if your work if your life and work schedule means that you really can't get back to shul for nitchamarev at seven p.m. or eight p.m. because of other responsibilities that you have. Like maybe you can take a break in your day if you have control over your schedule. You take an afternoon break and you walk over to the shul, like get some fresh air um, at the end of the day for a 4.30, 5 o'clock mincha I I think that that there are, you know, if you work in the neighborhood, if you have a little more flexibility in your schedule and maybe you're back at work, you know, logging on to your computer at 7 or 8 p.m., but uh, maybe at 4 or 5 o'clock, maybe you're able to take a little bit of a break um, to come to shul for mincha. Or maybe you're picking up your kids around 4 or 4.30 and you can bring them over to shul too. Which is such a great idea. Okay, we're back to kids now. Uh, <laughs> there's so much emphasis when it comes to kids and shul on Shabbat morning, and there are like very good reasons for that, which we can talk about a different week. But Shabbat morning is really hard for Lenny because you you know like you can't. It's a it's a long, it's long service. Like yeah. you know, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight year old like will be challenged to sit for a um, ninety or minute. 
um, tefillah or a two-hour tefillah or a longer than two-hour tefillah. Torah reading is long, uh, especially for a child's, you know, um, attention span. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you can't distract them with electronic devices if they need if they need a little bit of distracting. And, and, and you know, a kid who can't sit through a 90-minute or a two-hour Shabbat morning tefillah uh, could really come for a 15-minute, 20-minute minchamarev. It's a way for them to daven with you, to be exposed to the sidor, to see what our community is about, to meet like other, you know, like people in this community who form this kihila, and to pray with them and see what we do during the week. And there are, uh, you know, to kids get the opportunity to collect tzedakah, which I think is so sweet, and they they take it so seriously when when the rabbi or I hand the tzedakah box to to a kid to collect charity in shul. And it's lovely. They're involved in an actual mitzvah in shul while everyone else is davening around them. I think it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, and it, and it makes a difference. Like people, you know, people will, like it's very hard to, if you have change or have some bills in your pocket, you know. It's, yeah, I'm not one that carries change. I don't, I, I don't I, carry I, bills. I, <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Eventually we'll have to, up, we have to upgrade our uh, stuck can to something that takes, uh, you know, some digital <laughs> uh, stuck can. Yeah, so like that. Uh, <laughs> But in the meantime, when the kids go around, like it, it definitely it motivates, is, people, it motivates to give. people to give, and it's nice. People, adults want to encourage the kids, and the kids want to encourage the adults, and we, we do raise money that way. That is, um, you know, the money we raise from the stock account does not go for the uh, the uh, running of the shul. It goes to poor people who need financial assistance, or to um, you know institutions that support Jewish education or poverty relief, and so it it, it does make a difference in that way. Again, I just it's just a like to be more um, flexible and open-minded about like what it means to like educate your child in the life of the shul beyond Shabbat morning. Like it's there's a long gap between when shul starts Shabbat morning when groups start. Maybe your kid doesn't like groups or maybe whatever the friends aren't there so that one week and they don't want whatever it might be. Like just you don't ha- you can sidestep that drama and uh, or in addition you can add to that drama and like bring your kids like Shabbos afternoon is a shorter tefillah. There's also Torah reading, but it's only three short aliyot instead of seven long aliyot. Right, that's a way your kid can see Torah reading and see what it's like for how the Torah is read in shul in a much, um, you know, at a, at a scale that is a little easier, more digestible for a younger child. So, and, and, and obviously it's true weekday tefillah as well. So I, I um, you know, I, I you know, commend the parents over the years who have taken advantage of this, and I want to encourage, like, other parents to do it to do so as well and um you know like the uh, you know again like the each season has its own has its own uh, opportunities our younger children over the years have not seen Havdala for like six months of the year you know but mm. uh, but in the winter they get to see it again and that's really exciting and you know each season has its opportunities and you should think about what they are and and lean into them and and i hope i hope the shul is part of that like as shabbat starts earlier and and as that relates to bedtimes and dinner times and stuff like to just really you know, like hope to hope to see more kids and more parents. And of course, it's not lost on on us that uh, the uh, five year olds, please God, are getting vaccinated this week, next week, and and I hope that will. Baruch Hashem. Yes, yes, literally. And I hope that will uh, enable many more people to feel comfortable and feel safe and responsible, bringing their kids to to more things at the show more frequently with with others. We are launching a. Um, middle school Mishnah Club <laughs> initiative uh, in the coming weeks, and I'm uh, excited about it. It's it's important, I believe, for children to 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 see from their community that Torah study is something that um, we don't just do during the school day. Even if we're in Jewish schools, it's something we do not just with our teachers in school. It's something we do with our parents, hopefully. It's something we do with our shul community. It's something we do with other, like, 
you know, Jewish personalities in our lives, like the, you know, religious leadership team of their synagogue uh, and with their shul friends, not just their school friends. And uh, so I, I think there's like a lot, a lot of, um, I guess those are like the secondary goals, but also like it's, you know, like Torah Shabbat is really vast and there's a lot of Torah to learn. And uh, I think the more... And that Torah learning is a mitzvah, but can also be a really fun hobby, right? Yes. The way that you fill your time, right? What do I do with my time? I learn Torah. And that's something that's really valuable to state and to sh- and to exemplify, to say we're going to invest uh, extra time because this is something fun and there's a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, 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 and rewarding and ennobling and and um, yeah, just the, the the a lot to learn piece. I think the nature of Torah as and like uh, as a uh, I don't know maybe this is true about like other things that people can study as well, but I. The more you know, the more you're able to know, and yes. right. I think it's maybe especially true with the like oral Torah, like t- yes. Mishnah, Gemara. It assumes you know everything else. Like each yes. page of Talmud assumes you know all the rest of the Talmud, right? And 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 which of course is not true for right for most of us. Certainly not true for any of us when we start learning. So the more exposure you have, one has to different topics and different mesechdot and different like sections. The easier it is to learn anything, right? So. Yeah. Right, and especially in my experience teaching middle school or even high school, Gemara, Mishnah, it's about learning repeating structures. And what is this? Even if you don't understand the Hebrew, Mishnayot will have common structures. Tsugiot have common structures and guiding words. And the more you see them, the more you're not alienated or, or afraid to unpack a Hebrew text in front of you. It becomes less a bunch of Hebrew words all together on a page. And instead, oh, I recognize that. I know what this text is doing. And I have a guidepost to guide me along. And it helps you like it's an incidentary way. So once you, when you see that over and over, it becomes kind of ingrained and no text is really foreign. Um, and that's kind of the goal is to say like, you're a, this is an introduction to being a lifelong learner. This is your language. This is your text. Even if you don't speak like most of us fluent Aramaic or Hebrew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one speaks fluent Mishnaic Hebrew, but no, uh, or <laughs> fluent Aramaic of the Gemara either. I don't think. <laughs> no, there are Aramaic speakers. In, right. You know, there it's are, not the. I don't think it's the same. It's Aramaic. not the same. It's not. Sarah once heard somebody, in, like a woman at the Gap, talking to her son in Aramaic, and she like did a double take. That's phenomenal. <laughs> there is a big Syrian community, like uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Syrian Christian community here mm-hmm. in the Chicago area. And, oh wow. Yeah, yeah there are like there are more like native Aramaic speakers. In I know Chicago. they were here. I knew they existed. No, no, yeah, in Chicago, like yeah, like Sarah heard someone at the Gap in Chicago speaking in Aramaic. To her uh, child. I would like to meet them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they have like a church in Skokie or something. Like it's not we, we could cool. we could arrange a field trip. <laughs> so you'd say you just just we're just gonna sit here and listen to you talk to each other in Aramaic. <laughs> I, I I would. I don't know if that okay. We can follow up. That. We can follow up uh, another occasion of that. Um, it is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, I, I think it's actually a different dialect of Aramaic than right. the uh, <laughs> the ancient uh, Babylonian dialect that right. the Gemara is. Right, and that is that is to say, right? When you when you start to get familiar with those uh, with with the Mishnaic structures, with Gemara structures, becomes more intuitive. The more you learn, the more you know, right? But the advantage of having teachers like us guiding you in the mission study is you don't have to just do it by gritting your teeth and plowing through. It's it's easier when you have someone who's been there before and can hand you the guideposts, right? So that's exactly what uh, this Mishmar, this middle school Mishnah club aims to do. Uh, 
and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you have a middle school child, please like reach out to us if we haven't reached out to you already, like reach out, which I hope you have, but reach out to <laughs> us if, if we haven't. And if you have questions, reach out to us. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm really hoping that uh, I'm, I'm, it's a great group of middle school kids. And I'm really excited mm-hmm. to, to learn with them and to spend time with them in the shul and to deepen our relationship and, and, and foster their relationship with each other as well. Yeah. <laughs> to get pizza. We're serving pizza, yes. So that's also... Uh, <laughs> Big, big plus. Big plus, big plus. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the, sh- I th- the shul, I think, has a really important role to play in the, like, religious lives of, of the children in this community. Thank God we have, like, wonderful day schools that were that our children attend. And uh, they're, they're, like, they come in to the shul, like, feeling so positive about yes. their, like, Jewish identity. Like, they're not, it's really incredible. Like, they, I've, whatever, I've been yes. here for a bunch of years. Like, the kids aren't jaded. They're not cynical. They, no. like, feel so positively about being Jewish. And they... They're so they feel so positive about learning Torah. Also, they feel like like this is theirs. This is mm-hmm. their you know inheritance to take possession over. And so it just makes it you know even more fun for yeah, us. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> like okay, great. So let, let's go. Let's go get it. Let's go. Let's go figure out what what the Torah says. And so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to this starting. Um. So this Sunday is uh, ASBI's Global Day of Jewish Learning event, along with. Everyone else participating in this global initiative. I don't know if it's actually global. Do you know? Well, it's probably at least the United States and Israel, and probably like one or two locations in Canada. So, <laughs> so that definitely counts. I, I actually, I don't know. I haven't checked their website. I, I, I think the, you know, this is Rabbi Steinstein's Alva Shalom. This was yes. his project. He thought, let's pick a day in the fall each year where we can like really emphasize Torah study as a common mm-hmm. source of Jewish identity for Jews all over the world. So I, I bet there are people in Australia participating, and probably some European. I don't know. They really liked Rabbi Steinsaltz in Russia, so I bet there's some. It's probably right. I, I, it might be it might be global, <laughs> but in any event, our our Global Day of Jewish Learning event is happening this Sunday, um, and we're doing something really exciting this year. Well, the, the theme each year of Global Day also unites each place of learning, each Jewish community center that is participating, and that we're all learning kind of the same Torah, which is a lovely, lovely feeling, and the uniting thing. And the theme this year is connection. Um, so we'll, we'll have two shiurim, one on the theme, one for families called Connection Through Creativity, taught by our very own Molly Jarrett. Mm. It'll be wonderful. It'll be a fun hands-on. Uh, there'll be arts and crafts. So, and we'll talk about uh, the creativity that went into the Mishkan and creativity and serving God and how uh, our service of God actually is, is right for us to be a creative outlet. God wants our creativity and we can use that in service of uh, community and God. Um, so that's w- the family share connection through creativity. Uh, and I'll be launching or giving a little taste of my Sunday Talmud share. Uh, we'll be learning um, Perak Ben Soro Mora, which is the eighth Perak of Sanhedrin, uh, and uh, which is chock full of amazing like sugiot that give like practical skills, a bunch of concepts that are really, really commonly discussed throughout the Talmud, uh, basic concepts. Uh, my shear is called Carry On My Wayward Son, because that's the Ben Soromora. For those of you who, right, you get you get that reference, you do, right? I don't get the reference. Are you really? I don't get the reference. Okay, this is, a, this is, this is fine. <laughs> it's a as, I've been informed, <laughs> as I've been informed, this is not Kansas's most famous song, but I thought it was like a classic rock thing that everyone knew never mind i'm gonna stop assuming that now that it's on the record that i've i apologize has everyone else assuming that is everyone else that you've just shared this i'd say i've shared it with three people now including you i mean besides Haley, i don't know what Haley had to say but uh (laughs) three people so one knows it and now two have not 
It's a great song, and right, and I'm pretty, about the song? okay. Well, the Ben Sorero Moret is this is the this, well, I know that part. I know that part. Well, I is the is the wayward son in the Torah, and there's these really enigmatic laws surrounding the discipline and punishment of the Ben Sorero Moret. It's a young child who seemingly doesn't do very much wrong and has a very steep punishment for it. So we're going to be talking about that concept of Nidon al Shem Sofo, how he's judged based on what he might do in the future. Which is a what really he's presumed to do what he's presumed to do in the future if he continues on this path. It has a lot of avenues for exploration of what is it, like what is the communal role in educating children? Mm-hmm. What's the communal role in disciplining children? Um, do we really judge children for what they do in childhood as harshly as the Torah would seem to be saying in this case? Um, lots of interesting implications uh, for this sugya. Um, and that's the wayward son. The carry on my wayward son song lyric is a song by Kansas. It's a good, it's a good song. Classic rock. I don't know. They played it on my classic rock station when I was in middle school a lot. So, oh, okay. I I, <laughs> I also listened to classic rock on the radio when I was in middle school as well. So, but uh, it might have, you know, it's like a ten year difference. <laughs> so yeah, that that yeah, but might I thought, have made a difference. I thought, um, I thought classic rock wasn't supposed to change. I, it, you know, it actually is changing. That actually has freaked me out a bit because I've tuned in and it's like giving me like this is not classic rock. And they're playing like '90s stuff. I'm like, oh no! No, no, no! <laughs> Classic rock was like '60s I, and I '70s. I know, right? but they're they, but they have updated it. Apparently, I've tried to incredible, tune in, incredible. and it kind of, kind of right. threw me for a loop. The point okay. is, yes. What is that? I will listen to the song. And what is that? So tell me about this. So, okay, to. it's not their most famous. The Shears is being launched <laughs> uh, at Global Day, which we are convening our gathering at the Shul Sunday Sunday afternoon, afternoon 4:20 Minchamariv. Followed by uh, these two shiurim, which will run concurrently at 5 p.m. Uh, Shear for adults, which will be a class geared towards beginning intermediate students of Talmud, but all are welcome to attend. Uh, the text will be in the original Hebrew. I'll give most. Uh, I'll give many in translation. Those that'll be kind of unfamiliar. We won't be diving into all of the skills work in this first introductory class. It'll be fun. It'll be accessible. Um, Come with with your curiosity and your interest in the topic, and also our share for families connection through creativity, a hands on class about creativity and connecting to God. So that'll be at five p.m. and that's our and hopefully there'll be also dinner order. Yes. My, yeah. So great. Good. <laughs> follow, following that at at uh, um, five forty five. Six o'clock. Like dinner so. to go. We're ordering from dinner to go. Where food yes. will be delivered to the shul. Yes. You can order and they can. So yeah. you don't have to worry about leaving the program and having to make dinner. To you can prep. take your dinner with you and you go home. Great. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. And, then, you're, and then your Talmud Shear moving forward will be on Sundays. Sunday m- morning. No? Afternoon? Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. You're, you're, you're the teacher. <laughs> when should people show up? <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to survey to see when people are available. I know Sundays can be difficult, but so can weeknights. So I was hoping it would be Sunday post Shachris. Oh, great. But you can... People can give me feedback. I don't know if this is the forum to anyone, do that. Anyone, anyone listening to the podcast? Can, like we moved uh, Global Day to the afternoon because that's when people said they were available. So I'm willing to be flexible for those who have interest in in this Talmud you're going forward. Really, 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 I, I live for this, so I, I will do it. With, I will run this with whoever is excited to learn Talmud with with me, and like I'd love to create a cohort that's solid that we do. Uh, a bit of long-term learning together. Wonderful. It, I, I already know now it'll be the highlight of my week. Uh, please please do let me know. <laughs> the highlight of your week on a Sunday morning is, uh, is uh, you know, leaves you for Sunday. I don't know. My week <laughs> ends on Wednesday because that's my day off. So. Understood. Understood. <laughs> <Fair enough. Okay. laughs> 
Didn't God rest on Wednesday? Something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so Ben Sermar. So, like, what are like, you know, there's like the the wayward. There's the wayward child, child yeah. that talks about communal responsibility and discipline, and whether yeah. or not we we how we change and how people are expected to change and grow over the course of a lifetime. Or heavy not. themes. Heavy themes. Heavy themes. There's uh, there's also a lot on, of right? other yeah, heavy so. topics. There's going, and we're gonna jump around a little bit because there's a lot of sugi out there that are not. As compelling, I mean, they're, 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 I think it's all compelling, and I, you know, you'll have to select. So best of the best, so, uh, right. Perak ben best of. So it'll so we'll talk so about we'll talk about laws of the pursuer, uh, the rodaif, um, which is also really fascinating. There's this law, right, that if you if there's someone who is a rodaif, you're allowed to to kill them before they are able to commit the final crime, and that's also really interesting. How do you know someone's a rodaif? What allows you to 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 go ahead and take that preemptive action, um, like this vigilante justice. I don't know if you would call it vigilante justice. Yeah, it's actually just like punishments. Punishing That's something. True. This is more like a. It's a preemptive punishment. It's a maybe. No, no. I don't. I, might be a I way mean, of seeing uh, it. Okay, I hadn't thought. How do you? That. How do you see it? As like an obligation to rescue. An obligation to right because there's also you can't be a bystander. Correct. You can't just pretend you right. Lo tamono damreacha is the theme, right? Don't be a bystander while someone's life is in danger. Some so that's also another sugiya. How much do I have to put my own life in danger in order to save somebody else? Right. Um, preservation of life. Um, we talk about the um, the mitzvah that you're actually supposed to give your life up for. Yes. Uh, the prohibitions that uh, if you're told violate this, that you're supposed to offer up your life instead of violate them. Um, well, so that's a, a, we're going to talk about that. There's a, which is, this is, which is usually, um, like these are all very, actually quite practical, right? Because uh, I mean, are they? Well, the, the fact that like the other prohibitions we generally do violate to save life. No, that's right. right. The that's overriding of, principle of right, yeah. pre- preserving life, these sugiyot push you and say, okay, what are the limits of that? Right. I guess. What are the limits of that? What are the what are the prohibitions that go so much against our principles of, of living a Jewish life and a God fearing life that we would say that's not the life we want to preserve mm-hmm, or that mm-hmm. should be? Pre- which is it's really hard. That's a hard topic. Um, it's a hard topic that did come. It does come into yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully not not for us, you know, but um, it does come into play and. Um, there were also discussions there about B'nai Noach uh, and the nations of the world, right? Are they obligated in mm-hmm. those um, prohibitions as well, not to, to not violate them and rather be and rather be yeah. Uh, just, I'm just as I'm, I'm sort of thinking as yeah. I was listening to you about the low time mode of the prohibition against being a bystander when someone's life is in danger. I, I think it's sort of interesting to contemplate how um, like our globalized world has enabled us mm-hmm. to like be aware of people in danger mm-hmm. all across the world and to potentially intervene on behalf of people in yeah. danger all across the right for, I don't know, $15. I can, how much does it extend? I can feed a starving yes. person in wherever or I can buy yes. a mosquito net to prevent yeah. someone from getting malaria in wherever. And so like what, 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 what responsibilities that create yes. for me and, yes. and what, what am I allowed, you know, and if it is, it does impose a responsibility of intervention and life saving. Like, how can I? Are there any limits on, right. on to the degree of my uh, mm-hmm. responsibility? If um, mm-hmm. uh, this, I know, is discussed in the redeeming rights, captives, redeeming captives, or somebody knocks on your door and, so, and this happens. I mean, sure. You know, I, I'm raising money for a surgery, life saving surgery. I need hundred fifty thousand dollars to pay for a life saving surgery not covered by my insurance. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, so 
how can you not like liquidate your assets to save this person's life? But mm. it seems that we don't, right? But right. like, well, why not? Like, I know that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's not in the Gemara, but but, no. it, but it comes out, emerges. <laughs> it emerges from I think these. Uh, yes. To these what extent does mm-hmm. my obligation extend? Right. You're always. That's how we always investigate mitzvot. Like who, what, when, where, and how. Right. We always have to define our parameters of of these obligations, especially if they can be so far reaching. So the global day, you want to be very, um, this you're launching anyone can please come. And that's like a more broader. It's going to be a broader introduction. Ben Sorero Mora. Anyone interested in Talmud, Uh, whatever their background, they should feel encouraged to come. I'll I'll show a little bit of the the methodology of the class, like how our discussions will run. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll do a little, uh, um, show of how I'll do skills work with the class as well of, of developing our Talmud skills. So you can become right with the goal of becoming independent learners or at least gaining skills and someone who already has some independent learning skills would this be like fine for them too or yeah i think so it i think it would be good up until intermediate uh because then i I don't want the i mean i'm not sure (laughs) we'll see how how the dynamics play out i've certainly i've taught this class before to a group of mixed uh level learners um and it worked well because there's a higher level discussion that goes on with these sugiyot that are deeper, so that that are that go broader and, and deeper than just the skills work. And also, I find, and this is not like a, I find that even advanced learners of Talmud sometimes have gone, you know, have are gained their skills through sheer, you know, breadth of learning mm-hmm. and don't necessarily have the skills to break down a sugya in the way that they might want. Mm-hmm. So this sheer will also provide that. It's always helpful to do that work. 